accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God most high, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His master wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every you pray and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide in the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, and they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our Well, good evening. What an exciting night it is here at Victory Christian Fellowship in Palmyra. We're so glad that you're here tonight. You came ready to receive from God, and God's got something for you. And if you're watching, we just say welcome to you. Thanks for connecting that way. And Father, it's such an awesome night because we serve such an awesome God. And we just welcome your awesome presence right here to move in power, to dis display your glory, to do great and mighty things. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise. And we welcome you here, sir. Do what needs to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Lord Jesus. You are alive and well, Lord. And we give you glory and honor and praise. We lift up the name of Jesus in this place. We are bold about our love for you. We are not ashamed to call you God and to call you Lord. You're the rock of our salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. Thank you, Lord, for your power that's here. Your name that's here. Your Holy Spirit that's here. Jesus, you're moving, you're working, and you're in our midst, and you're speaking to us. There is a wind that's blowing. It's the wind of my spirit. It is my breath that is moving across the land, moving into the hearts, moving into atmospheres, moving into places. Get ready for the wind is blowing. Let the wind be. Move your sails. Let it fill your sails. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blow, wind, blow. happen when God breathes and the wind blows. Amen. Well, if you can, you may have your seats. Hallelujah. You know what? Let's just do something a little different right now at this moment. I want you to stand up for just a second. Go find someone and shake their hand and just greet them and welcome them. Tell them that you're glad to have them here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen, amen. God's in the people business. Hallelujah.
So you never know what you're going to expect. Well, we're so glad that you're here this evening. And if you're watching, thanks for watching. You know, you can tune in on Facebook Live and YouTube. And I even think we're on podcasts as well. And uh, if you happen to watch a service, share it, like it, share it with your friends. Amen? Amen. And uh, it's a way of uh, spreading the word and using communication for a good thing. You know, God's made it so easy today to communicate. And uh, hallelujah, we're grateful for that. And uh, we can use every form of communication. And if you're here tonight, you can make an investment in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You can give a tithe or an offering, and uh, you can do that any time during the service. If you're watching online, you can go to our website. And, uh, you know, it's a privilege to give to God. And um, I just encourage you to give, and there's no pressure, but uh, you, you'll like the results if you do it. Amen. And, uh, Father, I just pronounce a blessing over your people tonight, the givers and their gifts, Lord. May your hand of blessing and increase come upon them mightily. Cause them to abound. Make all grace, uh, ha- give them all sufficiency in all things that they can abound to every good work in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're so grateful for those who uh, volunteer to teach our kids. Our kids are important. It's kids' life on Wednesday. Kids living in faith every day. Amen. I mean, no, kids can live in faith too. Amen. So kids, we want to dismiss you to your class teachers. God bless you. Have a good class. Amen. And uh, know that uh, on July 27th, we won't have a Wednesday night refreshing because 16 of us are going to be in Tulsa at camp meeting. So uh, <clears throat> we're excited about that. Uh, the youth had a dream that they were going to fly to Tulsa, and the dream's true. The dream's a reality, amen? And uh, they've just been doing an awesome thing with uh, their Palazzo creations, and uh, it's been such a blessing that it's just going to continue to go on, amen? And uh, God is good. You know, when, when you want to do something from God and you set your heart on it, he'll help you get there. And it's true for everything, everything in life. Hallelujah. And uh, don't want to uh, forget that this Saturday, men, 8.30, we're going to have our regular Barnabas time, and it's going to be a good time. So if you're 12 and up, and you want a, a, some good food and some great fellowship, come here on Saturday at 8.30 a.m., and it will be a blessing to you. Amen. Well, you ready for the word? Yes. Hallelujah. How many love Jesus? Yes. All right. If you don't, just wait a minute. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, I want you to turn to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're going to look at that here. And I want to talk to you tonight about God's grace is sufficient. You know, for anything that you have to deal with in life, some things are wonderful Some things are unexpected. Some things can be challenging, right? But God's grace is sufficient for every challenge. You can meet every challenge and it will not 
drained God's grace. Because God's grace is sufficient. It's more than enough to meet the need. There's more than enough power and ability in God to face that challenge. Not just to face it, but to overcome. Amen? God, I mean, we sing songs about grace, right? Amazing grace. It is amazing. We don't really have words to describe how awesome it really is. But I just want to take a look tonight at God's grace being sufficient. All right? And uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, Paul here, he begins talking about a vision that he had. And uh, let's just start with verse 1. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. How many know God gives visions? God reveals things. Right? He gives revelations. Okay? He, he, can, he can let you know something that you didn't know in an, in an instant. All right? I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body. So Paul was having this experience and he's describing it as uh, himself. I knew a man in Christ. He didn't know if he was in the body or out of the body. Because sometimes when you have an encounter with God, you lose track of reality. Right? You, you get caught up in the spirit. You don't know what time it is. You don't know what day it is until you come back. Right? And uh, so he was having this experience. And um, he was caught up to the third heaven. So God had gave, brought him up to heaven. And I knew such a man, verse 3, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, how he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter or permissible. How many know... It's not so much the place that you were in, but what information did you get while you were there? You know, I heard Jerry Savelle talk about an encounter that he had, how God appeared to him one time. And people were asking, what did he look like? He said, I didn't care how much he looked like. I was listening to what he said. How many know we got to listen to what God is saying? Because God's a man of his word. So Paul heard some things. He heard unspeakable words and words that were not permissible to utter. Verse 5, of such a one I will, will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. That word infirmities means weaknesses. Okay? For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. You know, some people will take an encounter with God and they'll make it all about themselves. I experienced this and I did that and... But you know what? we got to make it about God. And this is what Paul is saying here. Okay? I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he sees me to be, or that he hears of me. Now, I want you to pay attention to verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure... 
through the abundance of revelation. Let me tell you something. When God gives you a vision or a revelation, he's going to exalt you. He's going to elevate you. He's going to bring you up to a higher place. Amen? A greater depth, right? A higher dimension, okay? How many know God's revelations help you? They bless you. They're meant to increase you, okay? Anytime God gives you something, it's not going to decrease you, okay? So, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, comma. Now, there's a lot of controversy about the thorn in the flesh, but I'm going to tell you plainly, it is a messenger of Satan, okay? It wasn't a sickness. It wasn't uh, something wrong with his eyes. It was, notice, let me just read this verse. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, comma, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. God gave something to Paul, a revelation and a vision. Satan wanted to squish Paul so that revelation wouldn't get out. So that vision wouldn't be proclaimed. See, when God gives you something, Satan wants to keep you down to steal it. Or if he can't steal it, he wants to contain it. Oh, but thank God, God is uncontainable. Amen? So, a messenger of Satan, did God give that to him? No, God does not use the devil to help you. He does not use the devil to teach you. He uses the Holy Spirit to teach you. Okay? When God kicked the devil out of heaven, he doesn't have anything to do with him until he comes back and he's going to give him his his retirement at the lake of fire. Okay? God does not use satanic things to help you or to teach you or to instruct you. This was given from Satan. No, it was a messenger of who? Is that the Bible? The Bible said that. Didn't say a messenger of God. Said a messenger of Satan to keep you down, to keep you confined, to keep you restricted. Why? Satan doesn't want the information that Paul heard getting out. You know, Satan was in heaven. He was in heaven. He heard God speak. Right? And he knew what God says is true. And he knew, he knows what God says he can't do anything about. So he tries to squash it and keep it down. So he assigned to Paul a messenger of Satan to do what? To buffet him. Not to buffet him. But to buffet. I'll get to what that means in just a minute. Verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is what? Sufficient for you. I want you to say that, say God's grace is sufficient for me. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're facing, God's grace is sufficient. Okay? He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. The Bible tells us, let the weak say what? What are the weak supposed to say? I'm strong. Okay? 
Why? We have God's strength. When you have God's strength, you're strong. Doesn't matter what the body feels. Okay? Then Paul writes, most gladly, therefore, will, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in weaknesses, in reproaches. That's when someone criticizes you or calls you a name. Okay? Or in necessities. Listen, I can glory in my needs. Why? I got a provider. I don't glory in the need, but I glory in the fact that there's a provider. All right? In persecutions. In distresses. No one's in here ever, has ever been distressed, has they? Have they? For, it, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am what? Paul is being scriptural. He is calling himself strong when his body feels weak. Guess what? Our body is weak compared to our spirits. Right? Our body has limitations. Our bodies get tired. Our bodies get weary. But God has a strength that helps us through those things. Okay? So God's grace is sufficient. Paul had this Demonic messenger. What kind of messages does the demonic messenger deliver? Lies. You're no good. You can't do that. You can't be that. You can't have that. Lie, lie, lie. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Okay? Because they do not have the truth in them. Okay? So Paul's dealing with this messenger of Satan. And he's asking the Lord, why don't you take it away? And God says, my grace is sufficient. My power, my ability, my goodness, my favor is greater than that demonic messenger. He is greater than what he's trying to do to you. Hallelujah. God had already given Paul what he needed to overcome. It was his grace. Hallelujah. What is this grace that Paul was given? It is the word charis. Okay? It's, it's a Greek word. It means graciousness. It means the divine influence upon the heart. Oh yes, we know it means unmerited favor. But it's more than that. Say it's more than that. It's a divine influence upon the heart. And it's reflection in the life. It's a work that God does inside that people can see on the outside. And it includes gratitude. It's, a, it's an acceptable benefit. Ooh, I like benefits. How about you? Grace is an acceptable benefit. Have you accepted yours? Hallelujah. It's favor. It's goodness. It's God's pleasure. It's God's kindness. God's kindness is sufficient for you. God's goodness is sufficient for you. God's strength is sufficient for you. God's power is sufficient for you. That's all grace. Grace is like a everything pizza. Grace is like a grilled stuff burrito. It's got everything in it. Okay? Grace is all-inclusive. 
Grace is staying as, at a resort versus just a hotel. Grace is a key attribute of God. Did you know that our God is gracious? Which means he's compassionate, he's long-suffering, and he abounds with goodness. God is like an everything bagel, but he's an everything goodness. Okay, I don't know why I'm relating to food tonight. I don't have food illustrations in my notes. Y'all are, someone must be hungry or something. God's grace operates in accordance with mercy, love, and compassion. Those are characteristics that operate and cooperate with grace. And patience, and it helps deliver from distress. Oh, grace is a distress reliever. Grace takes the pressure that the enemy is trying to apply. Grace takes it off of you. Grace gets you out of the pressure cooker and onto the table. When Israel was delivered from Egypt, that was an act of grace. Grace is always free and undeserved, but it must be taken by faith. In order for grace to benefit you, you've got to have faith in it. I like to say it this way. Grace is God's invitation and faith is the acceptance of the invitation. Faith is your RSVP to God's grace. Grace is only enjoyed within God's covenant. Grace is a gift of God, and grace is received by faith. Amen? God's grace was revealed to us and given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Go with me to John chapter 1 for just a minute. John chapter 1. And look at verse 16 and 17. Hallelujah. John 1, verses 16 and 17. It says this. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Woo, hallelujah. Grace and truth came from our Savior, Jesus. Salvation comes through grace by faith. But it comes through the door of grace. In other words, God's grace knocks on the door. Faith answers the door and says, come in. Okay? The Holy Spirit is the agent or the applicator of grace. He's called the Spirit of grace. Grace always needs to be accompanied by faith. And we have to trust in the mercy of God. Can you say amen? Grace is the endowment for an office in the church. 
God gave grace for the fivefold ministry to be in the church for the edifying of the body and the building up of the saints or or the perfecting of the saints, the maturing of the saints. This what what you're seeing in action tonight is God's grace. Amen. God gives grace to teachers and preachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That's a grace that God gave them. Amen. And God gives us all grace. Okay. Um, God's grace is a word for his favor. I heard Mike Murdoch say a thousand hours. One moment of favor is worth a thousand hours of labor. What you could probably do in a thousand hours of labor, God could do in one moment with grace, with favor. Grace and favor can be used simultaneously. Now, in, grace is God's favor and favors. It's his favor and it's his favors. But in between favor and favors, there's his power operating and working and moving. God made a favor sandwich. He put favor and favors, and in between he's got some slices of power inside that sandwich. Hallelujah. All right? So grace is a very important thing. And let's go back to 2 Corinthians 12. And we see Paul is very clear why he got this. He got this for the abundance of revelation. Verse 7, all right, to keep him down lest he be exalted. You know, the Bible says in James, if you humble yourself under God's mighty hand, he will exalt you. God wants to exalt you. It's God's will to exalt you. Where does promotion come from? Comes from God, right? Or the Lord, right? So God's will wants to exalt you. Satan's will is to bury you. All right? If he can't bury you, he'll confine you. But we're not going to let him win. We're going we're to put faith in the grace of God. Because God's grace is sufficient. Okay? Now, this messenger of Satan that was given to Paul, this word, it was given to him to buffet him. And here's what buffet means. To wrap with the fist. It means to beat repeatedly. Okay, what happened to Paul everywhere he went to preach? He got beat repeatedly. He got beat with rods. He was beat with stones. He was beat with fists. He was beat with whips. Right? So this messenger of Satan, wherever Paul went, this messenger of Satan would stir up hearts of people to come against Paul in a violent way. And they would beat Paul. That's what it means to buffet, to beat repeatedly, to rap with the fist. Okay? When Jesus was crucified, he was hit, slapped, and spit on. That's a form of buffeting. Okay? But God's grace is sufficient. Say, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is greater than the blows you're receiving. God's grace is greater than the power of your enemy. Oh, come on. God's grace is greater than the power of your enemy. The enemy can't match the grace of God. 
He could beat you a hundred times and God could deliver you a hundred times. And you could get up and say, is that all you got? And the enemy said, I gave you my best shot, but it wasn't, it's insufficient compared to God's grace because God's grace is sufficient. The enemy is insufficient, but God's grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. So, what was Paul's thorn? (laughs) Paul's thorn was a satanic messenger. All right? Who gave Job sores on his body? Satan. And now people say, well, God allowed it. No, Job allowed it by giving in to fear. Did you know that when Job gave in to fear... Satan had a legal right to to take advantage of him. And God said, he's already in your power, but don't take his life. Because Satan had no control over his life. But he could beat his body. That's all he could do. But, oh my goodness, what happened? Satan's power was insufficient against Job. He tried to take his stuff. He tried to take his health, but it didn't work because nine months later, he turned to God and God gave him double for his trouble. Yeah, he went through nine months of testing, nine months of challenges, but he was better off after the nine months. You read the end of book, you read the end of Job. It was only temporary. If Satan can harm you, he can only harm you temporary. (laughs) Why? God's grace is sufficient. God will get me through that. 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 God will keep getting me through that. Whatever that is. Everybody's got that. Hallelujah. So... Numbers 33, verse 55. You don't have to turn there. Well, put it up on the screen just so you can see it. Numbers 33, 55. But if you will not drive drive out the inhabitants of the land before you go to the next one, then it shall come to pass that those which you, you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes. A prick is a thorn. He is using a thorn as a descriptive uh Word to describe someone who was giving Israel problems. Now, Paul's thorn was not an actual thorn, because if it was an actual thorn, he could get some tweezers and pull it out. (laughs) How many's ever had a sliver? Yeah, it irritates your skin, doesn't it? And but once you pull it out, sometimes you gotta dig it out, but you dig it out and it's fine. Oh. But God's grace is sufficient. Because God's, God's grace, his strength and his power is made perfect in weakness. When you're weak, you are a candidate to receive God's strength and God's power to do what needs to be done in your life. He'll lift you up. He'll pick you up. He'll carry you if necessary. But God's grace will get you through. Hallelujah. My goodness. Go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, hallelujah. I feel like I'm at Applebee's, you're eating good in the neighborhood tonight. 
<laughs> Whew. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. Notice what Paul said to a minister, but it applies to all of us. Thou therefore, my, you therefore, my son, be strong in what? In the grace that is where? That's, that's a message for all of us. We gotta be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How can you be strong in grace? You can talk grace. You can, you can believe grace. Amen? You can know that grace is greater than anything that will come against you. Grace is the entrance to all of God's goodness. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus paid the price. You get the riches. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is. Grace is God's strength, power, ability, favor, goodness that's given to you. Everybody say given. Yes. You can't earn grace. Grace is a gift. God gave it to you. Why? He just wanted you to have it because he loves you. He knows that you're going to need it to get through life. You know, Jesus walked in your shoes. He, he, he was human. He was a man, a full-blooded man, anointed by the Holy Ghost. He knows exactly what it, what it took to be a man. And, and Jesus walked in the grace of God. And he gave that grace to us. Because grace and truth came to us through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God's grace is amazing in how it operates, works, and works in the lives of those who believe. God's grace really is amazing. So when we sing amazing grace, it really is. It is awesome. It is incredible that God would give us his power, ability, goodness, strength, and favor. Hallelujah. God's grace is more than enough for everything that you face. Everybody say more than enough. That means sufficient, right? So we got to receive God's grace. Hallelujah. God told Paul, my power, my abiding power in you is all you need. Did the thorn stop Paul's ministry? No. Satan was going, what do I got to do for this guy? He won't stop. He won't shut up. He won't quit. That's because he's operating by grace. Amen. He rested in the sufficiency of the grace that God gave him. Hallelujah. You want to frustrate the devil? Just walk in grace. Glory to God. God's grace is sufficient for any task. It helped, it'll help you do what you're called to do. What God called you to do, he, gave, he has given you a grace to do it. He has given you ability, favor, goodness, strength, power to you to do it. Whatever God calls a person to do, he gives them grace to do it. An all-sufficient grace. 
a grace that can withstand any pressure. Hallelujah. Oh, our grace has been pressure tested. Glory to God. Our grace has been pressurized from the influence of the world and the influence of the enemy. Like an airplane, like a spacecraft is pressurized to go into the outer atmosphere. It's built in a certain way. And when they used to have the space shuttle, that space shuttle had tiles to resist the heat of reentry. Our grace can resist the devil's heat. Hallelujah. No matter how hot he makes it, grace can overcome it. No matter how big Satan makes the problem, grace can go through it. Grace can overcome it. Hallelujah. This is grace of God. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is his presence. It's his very presence. Hallelujah. When we say grace is sufficient, we're saying grace is more than enough. It's it's adequate. It's appropriate. It's ample. It's plenty. It's abundant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's grace can withstand an enemy attack. God's grace can protect you from danger. God's grace can sustain you in trials. The water from the rock, that was grace. Satisfying a thirsty people. Think about it. How much water do you need for two to three million people plus all their cows, all their donkeys, all their camels, all their animals? That's a lot of water. And all Moses had to do was turn on the faucet, was hit a rock. And then to turn on the faucet again, all he had to do was speak to the rock. Of course, he failed to speak to the rock. But God's got a way of turning on the faucet in the wilderness. Click. You need water? Bang. There it is. Water gusts out. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God's grace is sufficient to keep you safe and help you succeed under any circumstance. Any circumstance. God's grace is sufficient for every trial, test, trouble, turmoil, or anything that comes your way. God's grace is sufficient to empower you, enable you, and encourage you to win. Grace will come in and give you a swift kick in the cans. Grace will come in and kick the cans out of you. Because, you know, miracles come in cans. I can do all things through Christ. That's a can, isn't it? Miracles come in cans. Hallelujah. God's grace is sufficient to help you stand, serve, and be strong to do the impossible. Yeah, God's grace will help you serve. God's grace will help you stand. God's grace will help you do the impossible. That's grace working. Hallelujah. God's grace is sufficient power and strength when you are weak and vulnerable. Jesus fasted for 40 days. And in those 40 days of denying his flesh, uh, food and water, actually, would you say he was weak? That's when Satan tempted him. But what happened before he went to the wilderness? He got filled with the spirit of grace. 
He got baptized with the spirit of grace. He had the spirit of grace going into the wilderness. So when his body was weak and vulnerable, the spirit of God on the inside of him was strong and mighty. And he was able to resist the temptation. He was able to say no to the devil and the devil had to flee. And then because he went in full of the Holy Spirit, he came out of the wilderness with the power of the Holy Ghost. His grace increased. Hallelujah. He overcame the toughest temptation that he was facing. It was the strength that was operating through him because his body was insufficient. His fleshly body was insufficient to say no, but his spirit was sufficient to say yes. Or to say yes to God and no to the devil. Right? So let me give you a quick summary of grace in just the next few minutes. Grace doesn't lack ability, capability, strength, or power. It can withstand danger and protect from what comes against you. God's grace is complete in weakness. So when you're in a weak moment, that's when grace kicks in. And that's when God's power rises up on the inside of you. Amen? And then when you're operating by grace, you say, I can do this. I can get through this. I can overcome and win. Let's say that. Say, I can get, I can do this. I can get through this. I can overcome and I can win. Go to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. We're about to shift gears right now. You ready to kick it up a notch? Psalm 84. And I want you to look at verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. What does the sun do to plants? It feeds them. It warms them. Right? In order to have photosynthesis, you need sun. God is a sun. He feeds you. He warms you. He lightens you. He brightens you. Hallelujah. How many know we got a sun? And not only is he a son, but he's a shield. What does a shield do? It protects you. A son provides, a shield protects. The God, our God, the Lord God is a son and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Hallelujah. No good thing will he withhold. That is grace. God gives grace and glory. No good thing is he withholding. He's not withholding anything, but you got to walk upright. You got to live right. You got to look up and you got to live right. Upright. Right? You got to look up and live right. That's upright. Up to live upright means you pattern your life after Jesus, the source of grace. Hallelujah. He gives grace and he gives glory. No good thing. No good thing will he withhold to them that walk uprightly. Everybody say no good thing. All right. Hallelujah. So grace comes by God. All right. Grace is freely given. 
Grace empowers you for service. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Whoo! I get excited about the word. I'm having a Bible high right now. Whoo! There's no high like the most high. I mean, if you're going to get high, you might as well be on the most high. Right? Don't, don't try this worldly junk. Get done on the most high. Huh. Whoo! Huh. I got, I got medical scripture for my ailments. Hallelujah. I got medical scripture that's been all my, come on somebody. I got medical scripture for my ailments. I don't need a plant. I don't need some smoke. I got some medical, I got a prescription from the Almighty. Hallelujah. For all my ailments. Glory to God. The word is life to my body. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. So they prayed, right? And the place was shaken. We got to up our prayers. We got to up our prayers. Listen, when we pray, something ought to shake. If it's you, go ahead and shake. Shake and bake, all right? (laughs) Okay, verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon who? Upon them all. Notice, great grace was associated with great power. When you got great grace, you can do great things. Hallelujah. We got great grace so we can do great things. We can do the impossible. Hallelujah. They did great acts of power. Why? Because great grace was on them. Neither was there any of them that lacked. All right, we don't have to read that. But with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. How many want to do some great things? We got grace that does the great things. Amen? It powers you. for. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Ooh, I'm so excited about this. My goodness. We got some grace in this place. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me. How many know great grace has been given to you? Say, everybody say, I have grace. Okay, notice what Paul did with his grace. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon, but let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For no other foundation, for other foundation can no man lay than what is laid, what which is Jesus Christ. So the grace of God came on Paul to plant churches. He would go into remote areas where they hadn't heard the gospel. And the grace of God, he would preach the gospel by the grace of God. 
right? Because you read Paul's letter, how he starts, I am what I am by the grace of God. You know, he talks about the grace of God that made him who he is today. Amen. And he would, the grace would come on him and the grace gave him ability to lay a foundation. And it was a special foundation. You had to, you had to, you had to be in line with the grace in order to build on that foundation. You couldn't just build anything on that foundation. Right? But it was the grace of God at work in Paul to enable him to build the foundation or to lay the foundation. He was a wise master builder. What made him a wise master builder? Did he go to building school? No. He went to heaven and had the grace of God. The grace of God was what made him a wise master builder. The grace of God is what makes you a wise whatever. Amen? If, you're, if you fix things, you're a wise fixer. If you build things, you're a wise builder. If you repair things, you're a wise repairer. If you're, if you're a wise homemaker, it's the grace of God that's operating in you. Amen? The grace of God makes you into whatever you need to be. It's whatever God called you to do. Amen? So grace empowers you for service. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 12. Did you know that grace will help you be simple? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world. The word conversation means lifestyle. We have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. God's grace will help you be simple and sincere. God's grace won't make you complex. It'll make you simple, simplicity and sincerity. Amen? God's grace is simple. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to operate it. You don't have to go to school to operate it. You just have to have faith in it. When you have faith, you have access to God's grace, and it's operating and working in you. Why? Because it's sufficient for you. Now, I got to warn you, this is my last point, but it's an important point. People who aren't using faith can render the grace of God ineffective. Go to Acts 11, Acts 11, verse 23. Acts eleven twenty-three. Hallelujah. I'm, all, I'm just about done. Look at Acts 11.23. This is talking about Barnabas when he came and saw what God was doing. Acts 11.23, who when he came, he had seen the grace of God. You know, when, God, when God's grace is working, you can see its results. And was glad... And exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. What if you stop cleaving unto the Lord? You would stop operating in the grace of God. 
When you decide that you're not going to do things the Lord's way, you've, you've, you've shut the valve off of grace in your life. And you've rendered it ineffective. Okay? All right? Go to Acts 13.43. Acts 13.43. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Everybody say continue. If, if you have to tell someone to continue in the grace of God, does the possibility exist to not continue in it? When you start trusting yourself more than God, you shut off the grace of God in your life. When you rely on your own experience, your own ability, and your own strength, you shut the grace of God out in your life. You've rendered it useless and ineffective to you. It doesn't change God's grace, but it changes how it operates in you. Okay? Um... Go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And look at verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God. How? In vain. In vain. When you are not honoring the Lord as you should, when you're not following the Lord as you should, you're, you're receiving the grace of God in vain. Because grace was, grace is a workhorse. When you get grace, it's, 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 it's power that is meant to operate. It's meant to do things with, but it all has to honor the Lord. Amen? I probably should have started with this one and, no. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. If Paul told Timothy to be strong in the grace, could we be weak in the grace? Absolutely. In other words, receiving God's grace in vain is like someone giving you a brand new car and you never drive it. You have the car, you have the keys, you have the title, but you never drive it. It's just sitting there doing nothing. It was, it was meant to be driven. Amen? When someone gives you a new car, drive it. Someone takes you out to eat, eat, eat. Right? Do what they're providing you to do. If someone invites you over to dinner, say yes. If you have the time. Amen? Grace was meant to put into action. It's not meant to put on a shelf. Oh, this is my nice grace. You see my nice grace? It's so lovely. You keep it on the shelf? Yeah, you don't do anything with it? It was never meant for that. That's receiving God's grace in vain. It's not doing anything with it. Where did I tell you? Second Galatians 2.21 Thank you for keeping me on track. Hallelujah. Galatians 2.21. Notice what Paul said. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. How do you frustrate the grace of God? You start operating by the law that came through Moses. You become legalistic. 
You follow the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Don't frustrate the grace of God. Don't receive it in vain. Amen? It's a warning to us. All right? Ephesians 3.7. Ephesians 3.7. I've got two, three more and I'm done. Ephesians 3.7. Whereof I was made a minister. That means I was made a servant. A minister is a servant. Did you know that? It's true. According to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. If God gives you grace and you're not serving, you have received it in vain. God's grace was meant to do something with. If you're, if it's a cold night and you have a fireplace and you got some wood on the fire, you gotta put some wood in that fireplace. Amen? Otherwise you're going, it's so cold in here. Put some wood on the fire! Put some grace into action! Gee, my car says E, what should I do? Put some gas in it! Oh my goodness. Okay, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 15. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just going to read you one more after this. Hebrews 12, 15. This is powerful. So many Christians are frustrating the grace of God by how they live. So many Christians are receiving God's grace in vain by how they treat God. But it's none here. So don't worry. Hebrews 12, 15. Looking diligently. How are we supposed to look? Diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. When, when Jesus told Peter, you know, Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. So Jesus answered his question and he said, come, right? That was grace for Peter to walk on water. That was sufficient grace. With that word, one word come from the word, Peter had enough strength and enough ability and enough power to get out of the boat and to walk on water, right? So he's walking. He's walking, he sees Jesus, all of a sudden now, he takes his eyes off Jesus. And he looks to the wave, he looks to the wind. How come the wind and the wave wasn't a problem when he got out of the boat? It was still operating. But he was looking at Jesus. He he failed the grace of God. He made it to Jesus. Well, he didn't make it to Jesus. He started to sink. But Jesus rescued him, right? And, and Jesus said, way to go, Peter. You did such a great job. No, he didn't. He said, Peter, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Right? Don't fail the grace of God. And here's the thing. If you let bitterness spring up, you failed the grace of God. Grace of, the grace of God will not cause bitterness. Grace of God causes sweetness, not bitterness. The grace of God is a donut, not a, not a sour lemon. 
Amen? So if, if you've accepted bitterness, you've replaced the grace of God with bitterness. And, and bitterness, he says, don't let it spring up because bitterness will overtake. It's a weed that you better kill it quickly because otherwise it gets too big. Don't let bitterness spring up. If you've got bitterness inside of you, the grace of God has left you. Okay? One more. James 4. James 4, verse 6. How many want more grace? You know, God can give you more grace. Verse 6, James 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you want more grace, you got to lower yourself and just put trust in God, not in yourself, not in someone else, not in anything else. Put your trust in God alone and you will get more grace. But if you if you become prideful, then you have emptied yourself out of grace. Your grace has leaked out. You got a crack in your grace. It has leaked out. Amen. But our grace, God's grace is what? It's sufficient. It's more than enough to handle every situation, to deal with every problem, to bring a solution to everything that you don't understand. Amen. Grace heals you. Grace saves you. Grace helps you. Grace empowers you. Grace guides you through. Amen. Grace helps you overcome. It'll help you stand your ground. It'll help you serve God. And it'll cause you to do the impossible. Hallelujah. We have the grace of God. God's grace is here. And we're not going to frustrate it. We're not going to receive it in vain. We're not going to fail it because we're going to believe it. And we're going to use it. And we're going to put it into practice. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How many need to receive some grace tonight? Grace is here. Grace is ready for whatever you need. If you need God to do anything in your life, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. God's grace is an invisible force. Amen. I want you to put your, everyone who's standing, put your hands up. And I want you to say this. Say, Lord, I am open. I am ready. I receive your grace right now. I receive your grace in my life. I receive your grace in my heart. I receive your grace in my body. I receive your grace in my home. I receive your grace in my finances. I receive your grace for all that I am, all that I have, and all that I need to do. And I declare right now, That your grace operating in me, it is sufficient, it is powerful, it is working, it is helping me, it's putting me over, it's solving the problem, it's moving the mountain, it's healing my body, it's strengthening my body. Oh, I can feel it now. Hallelujah. 
Begin to shout. Begin to shout about the grace. Begin to shout about the grace. Hallelujah. Hot dog, I got it. Hot dog, I got it. I got the grace of God. It's operating in me. It's working in me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's exciting. It's thrilling. It's joyful. It causes me to rejoice. Hallelujah. Shout about it. Shout about it. Now rejoice about it. Rejoice a little bit. Hallelujah. However you need to move your body. I don't, I don't care if you gotta move your finger. Amen. You're putting that grace to work, glory to God. It's working in the body right now. Glory to God. Things are moving. Things are shifting. Hallelujah. Our, God's grace is sufficient for us. For financial problems, for mental problems, for physical problems, for relational problems, hallelujah. God's grace has been called on the scene, hallelujah. It is operating, it is functioning, it is flowing, glory to God. God just pulled up a dump truck. He said, I'm daily loading you with benefits. That's the grace of God. Today you're receiving your benefit. Benefit of healing. Benefit of strength. Benefit of restoration. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's dumping it on you. He wants to give you grace in heaps. Hallelujah. It is a free gift of God. Hallelujah. 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 I want you just to picture grace like Elka-Seltzer. You put the tablets in and it's bubbling. It's flowing. It's moving. It's effervescing. That's my new word for 2022. Effervescing. Hallelujah. It's effervescing. Be careful because it overflows. Let it overflow. Don't put a cork on it. Don't put a lid on it. Don't put your hand on it. Let it overflow. Let it flow. Hallelujah. Get in the flow. You got to maybe stir yourself up a little bit. Hallelujah. I want you to rest in the faith and the grace of God. See, grace, you got to let grace do the lifting. You don't, you don't do anything. You just let grace work. You let it work by faith. You've got to be confident and for certain that it is working because it is. Amen? Why? All you need, God's grace is sufficient for you. It's sufficient. It can handle it. It can do it. It can do what needs to be done. Hallelujah. Miss Lisa. I need you to step out into the aisle. Here. Ha ha. Ha. Whoo.